The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. I've been looking forward to this. Our patrons have doubled since last time we've met, Count. Good. Twice the dark, double the times. Welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Steven, your favorite Jedi Knight on the verge of turning to the dark side. And I'm Sam, your favorite Chancellor and maybe Sith Lord. Oh, I'm so weak. <laughs> oh, help go. me, help me. <laughs> we have some feedback from last week, Steven. Yes, but first I just want to thank everyone once again for the warm holiday messages we received and the... Uh, well wishes of safety during this crazy Pacific bomb cyclone, as I've I've heard it called. The P-bomb cyclone. We haven't even lost power yet. No. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's just been a lot of rain on lot, and off. A lot constantly. of rain, a lot of disasters that are happening all around us, but not to us yet. Uh, we're still, we still got a, a wealth of mail from the holidays and late December that we're still sifting through. So if you haven't, if you sent something in and haven't heard it yet, don't worry, we'll get to you. It's from a uh, long time. I think our first patron Escatonia here. I got your very kind card in the mail. I wanted to thank you both for it so much. I'm so grateful you're helping to reinvigorate the Star Wars Saga Edition community. I've only been involved with it for about four years, but I can definitely tell how much more engagement there's been since your show began. Oh, Escatonia, I can't, I can't thank you. To attribute that to to us is is a, a big, big deal. Thank, <laughs> <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> Might be too much credit. <laughs> Your episodes are always top notch in content and production. I was parasocially delighted to hear you ask Rodney Thompson a question I sent you all to ask. My inner fanboy was along for your squee fest. Oh, there was much squeeing to be had. I share your ambition to meet Sam Witwer. If you ever do get to talk to Sam Witwer, I have to know, one, does he still play Saga? Two, did he pick up FFG? And three, then of course, I know it's the Mac PC question, but Saga versus FFG if he's played both. He was scheduled for Dragon Con in Atlanta summer of 2020, so I missed meeting him there for that. My first words to him will be sex in advance. I have to know if he remembers what that reference is. <laughs> I... I think that's from the Order 66 podcast, but I'm not certain. I don't I don't think it is, but it, it might be. It is funny. Yeah, whatever it is. Well, I've bent your ear long enough. I'd look forward to another year of Star Wars Saga Edition roleplay fun. Thank you very much, Escatonia, also known as Doug. We really appreciate it. Lil Literalist also left an excellent guide on how he runs heists, as well as a fun chart for what does and does not count as a heist movie. Did you see that, Sam? Uh, I skimmed it. Uh, it was very funny. It was kind of low resolution. It looked like a, a thumbnail for a much bigger chart, but I, I digress. Basically, the gist of his steps for a heist were start out. And again, you all know this guy, verbose, very intelligent. You can read his full write up in the comments from the last episode. But basically, start out with gather information. And, uh, you know, Sam, a lot of people like to push gather information to the curb, but I, I'm actually a big fan of that skill. We should do an episode where I ad make the case, advocate and educate for, for the, gather information. The saga community versus Zenith Sloth <laughs> <laughs> on gather information. If this podcast doesn't generate at least one class action lawsuit, it is <laughs> all for naught. But yes, yeah, start with a gather information scenario, set up, uh, uh, give your party setup time, and then the climax of the heist is, of course, the execution, complications to follow depending on how the gather information phase went, and then an escape sequence with the party being chased. And... <laughs> 
Lilithless also brought up honey heists because we were talking about how heists are a good plot hook for for uh, and how there's a lot of good uh, TTRPGs based on heists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't believe we forgot honey heist. Is we what didn't. I wanted to say, but you're. Yeah. I specifically mentioned honey heist, and I remember it. <laughs> Because Steven talked over me. I definitely <laughs> talked over you. We were talking about Blades in the Dark, and I, I we went over the moment off mic, and I definitely talked over you talking about Honey Heist to talk about Blades in the Dark. It's, Honey Heist is a great one-page system. Shout I, out to Honey I, Heist. Shout out to goddamn Tim Platt. and, and, the, and <laughs> all didn't the, make and it. I know, I know, but his recording of him running it is like, it, it's insane. It, I don't even, I think he ignores most of the rules, yeah. really, but that's just kind of his style. But uh Yeah. Steven, what's the premise of this episode? I don't know. I figured we'd just hang out, chill. You know, people like it when we don't really have much of a direction and it's just, just two, just two guys <laughs> chatting. You, <laughs> you know, brought a new album for us to listen yeah, to. Yeah, you know, I figured we'd, you know, maybe, maybe some smoke a, a clear, a career ruining blunt and maybe like <laughs> play some Smash Bros. Yeah, put some Floyd on, you know, just hang out. Just to, No. Because we're in the midst of a Force Traditions build showcase, I thought we'd go over a few more Force Traditions just to stoke the flames a little bit and... You know, I actually been meaning to go over the blazing chain the past the two times we've done this, but I kept forgetting <laughs> to do it. I got them mixed up with the dervishes last time because like, oh, yeah, we'll do dervishes. And I wrote up dervishes. I'm like, these are not what, what I, I thought <laughs> they were, but they're cool. So, but yes, let's start out with the blazing chain. We're talking about force traditions. Force traditions is what we're talking about. And the first one in alphabetical order uh, that we're going over today is the blazing chain. Uh, from the book, uh, this is the Unknown Regions source book. The best source book, obviously. <laughs> What's your favorite? Po- post your favorite source book in the comments It's below. like a tie between SNV and, and Unknown Regions for me. Scavenger's yeah. Guide, sorry. I, I gotta so say much. it. Unleashed I mean, is also a really Unleashed cool source book. Unleashed is good, because it's, it, I mean, it should be called like the Dark Times source book. Oh my, imagine. Oh, oh my God, imagine. No, no. We got, let's get Rodney up. Let's, let's have him Call Rodney up to a, <laughs> oh man, that'd be, he would not want to do that. <laughs> He made it yeah, very clear, like, actually, no, that he would not do that. I think he explicitly said he didn't want to touch. Never mind. Blazing Chain. They're a group of nomadic raiders who ply their way through the unknown regions in search of poorly defended settlements and starships from which they can plunder whatever they need. Blazing Chain ships are painted with variations of a fiery chain wrapping across the vessel, an intimidating and fearsome symbol. Though many call them pirates, the members of the Blazing Chain prefer quick raids, living on the spoils for long periods of time. Unlike typical raider groups, however, the Blazing Chain uses the Force to gain the upper hand. Pretty cool. Uh, Force-sensitive space pirates with custom paint jobs. Hell yeah. What else do you need? Fucking serious, sign me up. Like, (laughs) come sail away. You know what I'm saying? Like, they've got a long history stretching all the way back to the beginning of the Old Republic. uh, And then, well, sorry. Stretching back to the beginning of the Old Republic era. They, they don't actually predate the Old Republic government, but <laughs> figure I'd make that distinction. And they have decent lore, little things they get up to that you can read about all the way through Legacy, which is, is pretty cool. Many phases of varying levels of activity and violence from actively pillaging Sith warships during the Dark War to an usurpation of dark side influence around the Clone Wars. So you, these guys can really, you can do whatever you want with them. They can, they, and, and the, the, you can read more in unknown regions. There's actually quite a bit of paragraphs on these guys. They, um, they, they aren't a very like monolithic homogenous group. Like there's some fleets that are blazing chain that are kind of evil. There's some that are, 
Well, I mean, they still kill and steal to make a living, but they aren't like dark side about it. So it's fine, right? The only chaotic neutral force tradition. <laughs> I, you won't believe it. You won't believe the, it. I actually think you're right. I, I think <laughs> I think that's what we're looking at here. I think this is a chaotic neutral force tradition. Uh, they don't have a specific philosophy there. They are. They're pirates. I mean, come on. What, what do you want? Like <laughs> yard, right? Like that's that walk. The no, plank. they're raiders. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I like about the paragraph. It says, you know, it, it, a lot of people just say they're pirates, but actually they're more like nomadic raiders. And I'm like, <laughs> so, so pirates. <laughs> so like career pirates. They're uh, good pirates is what it sounds. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Good at their job. Pirates. <laughs> Uh, They have a more rudimentary and utilitarian approach to force training. The book emphasizes that they see force training along the same as like gunnery training and like midship training and like cargo stealing training. So it's all kind of part of the same deal to them. There's no like religious aspect here besides getting the booty. They got some fucking cool talents. I've never even looked at the blazing chain talent tree. You're about to you're going to want to make a blazing chain character after you, you read these, Sam. Okay, here we go. First one. I picked three. There's only four on the tree, I think, but here, here's the three I liked best. Rising Panic. Prereqs, four sensitivity, and a dark side score of plus one. You start a rising panic in an enemy who observes your attacks and actions, inhibiting the enemy's ability to respond. Once per round, as a reaction to an enemy damaging one of your allies or moving one of your allies down the condition track, you can make a use the force check against the target's will defense. If the check equals or exceeds the target's will defense, you move the target down one step on the condition track. An enemy moved to the bottom of the condition track by this talent does not fall unconscious, but instead must spend its action fleeing combat for one minute or until it moves up the condition track. This is a mind-affecting fear effect. Now, wait a minute, Steven. What? The cool thing about this talent, once per round? Yes. It's not a once per encounter? Like No. Once per round as a reaction. So you don't have to use any of your action economy to, to use this. Like, to, oh, what? You had a you had a reaction you were proud of before? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, we're going to deflect? <laughs> no. The moment your ally is moved down the condition track or attacked, they don't even have to be moved down the condition track. You can zap the attacker down one step on the condition track. That's fucking cool. It's really That's cool. That's so cool. Really cool. Don't you have to spend a force point? It just happens. You just roll against their will. And if guess what? If you freak them, they're freaked. There's also a, there was rising anger that worked somewhat similarly, but it, it was l- worse. than <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> worth mentioning. Here. It, it's not. I mean, it was the same talent, but but kind of worse. I think it buffs your ally for plus one, which is fine. But this not is as cool as moving not, someone down the condition. Track. Not nearly as cool as moving down someone the condition track, moving someone down the condition track. There it is. Bingo. Force directed shot. You're going to love this one too. Prereq, got to be trained and use the force. You use the force to alter the flight of your blaster bolt, projectile, or similar missile from a thrown or ranged weapon. As a swift action, select one square within 12 squares of you and within your line of sight. You treat that square as the origin square for your next ranged attack with an energy weapon made before the end of your next turn and determine cover and concealment as though you were firing from that square. You must have line of sight to the target of the attack from the square you occupy. Okay. Let, join me on a scenario for when this would be insanely useful. You're a boarding member of a blazing chain. You and your party are boarding a ship because you're pirates or just, you know. <laughs> Nomadic need, raiders. Need, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you just need money. 
long, narrow boarding tube, right, to get on the enemy's ship. Say you can see enemies in line of sight and cover at the far end. Say you're just close enough to target a square behind them. Oh, sorry, they don't have cover anymore because you're redirecting your shot from the square behind them. That's cool as hell. Come on. That's so cool. The possibility, the utility of this talent alone literally shivers me timbers. (laughs) And you can do it from cover yourself. And you can do it from cover yourself as long as line of sight is maintained. And cover and line of sight is a circumstantial relationship. But if you have it, baby, use it. Oh my God, I want to make a blazing chain guy just so I can use this talent at the table. Sick. This guy kicks ass. This guy <laughs> fucking kicks ass. Yo, a great little menage a trois to have in our fight between who were them? The space monk cowboys and the, uh, <laughs> was it? it was the, um, the wardens of the sky. It was wardens of the sky fighting the dervish. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you know how we were fantasizing about Warden of the Sky fighting a Siugi Dervish? <laughs> Throw a Blazing Chain guy in there and you've got some crazy fucking shit going down. What a, that Just be an insane fight sequence. Yes. Yes. Next one is Negate and Redirect. Prerex, Negate Energy. I love when a talent improves an existing force power because, let's be honest, a lot of the force powers have room for improvement. And sometimes they're improved. And sometimes they're not. <laughs> Looking at you, cryokinesis. <laughs> I was going to say plant surge. <laughs> yeah, improves plant surge. Oh, thank God. When you successfully use the negate energy force power against a ranged energy weapon, such as a blaster, you know, in case you fucking forgot, <laughs> you can redirect some of the shot's energy at an enemy target, in addition to that force power's usual benefit. As a free action, immediately following your successful use of the negate energy force power, choose one enemy within your line of sight and within the six squares of you, and make it use the force check against the target's fortitude defense. If your use the force check equals or exceeds the target's fortitude defense, the target takes energy damage equal to one half the damage you negated. That's really cool. A lot of words to say. You have negate <laughs> energy up. You get shot at and you can take some of that energy. In fact, half of the energy you negated and zap someone else with it. So cool. I imagine this is somewhat of a force lightning esque sort of look to it. Fucking but Yoda did that shit. He did precisely what Yoda did. <laughs> so cool. He probably used rebuke, but you know, <laughs> yeah, definitely rebuke. But I love this talent tree because it's got lots of really cool teamwork focused force power improving talents that are really light on the action economy. You can't really find anything else quite like this in the game. And and that's why I really like the blazing chain as a free action. That's rad. Yeah, Yeah. We got a free action and a reaction in here and something that you can just do when you, when you fire. It's great. It improves a standard action. Seriously. I mean, a lot of I've Steven, I've played characters where that swift action kind of just goes to the wayside, doesn't get used. That swift action goes to the wayside until like level five or six for most <laughs> characters. Like, come on. I'm excited. That's why you got to keep. So uh, hear me out. GMs, just a, a moment with you for just a moment, please. Put yeah, down players what, leave yeah, the room. Players please. leave the room. GMs, put down whatever you're doing. Okay. Put that down. Can we, let me just get, yeah. Your players, the swift actions, right? We talked to everyone knows about the swift action problem. You got to put them down the condition track more often so they can blow that swift action to recover or put them in position where they have to choose between a swift action to do their cute little ability or aim or recovering. Players hate to be put in a position and by hate, I mean love uh, (laughs) to where they have to choose between recovery on the condition track 
or aiming or whatever neat little trick they got going. I mean, it's a the it's a cover system. It's it's we a cover system. We can't pretend. All right, here, here this has been a long time coming. You oh, know, no. fuck the forest traditions this has been a long time coming. This is a trench warfare system. This, <laughs> I, we You're need. Not wrong. It is. It is. The uh, the perfect Swissy encounter is modeled in Andor when they're when their heist goes sideways. Oh my god! We didn't mention Andor for the heist episode last week. Oh man, <laughs> dude. <laughs> we should just re-record that whole episode. We should just take it down. We're gonna re-record. turn in my podcast badge yeah, and my didn't gun. Talk about and there's like two <laughs> great heists in Andor. No one in the comments mentioned it either, though. Well, so at least we got to it first. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, no. With all the cover and the movement and the the, oh. it's, it's the perfect swissing kind. When it's they're loading, based. when they're loading the, yeah. the ship up and the guys are coming in. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, so if great. you ever don't know what to do for a swiss encounter, watch that scene again because it has it literally has the encounter building checklist. I checked. I pulled it up on my phone <laughs> the second time I saw that scene, and I was like, oh yeah, this has all of the encounter building. That reminds me of um that encounter I ran for our first uh. Uh, Black Sun campaign where where had to push the the carts onto yes, the, the, with the onto generator the Imperial shuttle yeah oh no 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 yeah I'm sorry I had a different one but yes exactly same same deal all right GMs you can bring your players back into the yeah room. yeah y'all can come back in sorry we players just you to... can put your you can take your GM hats off we yeah. know you were sneaking in anyway <laughs> honestly I think everyone should should be both if, if circumstances <laughs> different episode topics Stephen <laughs> you're right. Uh, the believers coming in next in our alphabetical order of uh, of today's uh, uh, force traditions. Uh, it, technically, believer is after is before blazing in the <laughs> alphabet. <laughs> I literally sat down and wrote these out like hell yeah they're in alphabetical order this time this is great and they weren't. That's what I get for waking up early. If it was the basing chain, then <laughs> basing chain. The Believers from the Clone War campaign guy. Yes, a personal favorite of mine. I use them to uh, a quite a quite a degree of effect in, in my first long form campaign. They're really cool, really flexible. You can kind of put them in anywhere and you'll, you'll see why in a sec. From the book, uh, Clone Wars campaign guide, by the way. Rising to prominence shortly after the Battle of Naboo, the Believers, based in the Kularan system, are a cult of Force-sensitive beings. Members devote their energies to studying and embracing the dark side of the Force with the intent of following the doctrines and customs of the ancient Sith that existed before Darth Bane. Fuck yes. Super cool. This is so cool. A Clone Wars era cult that worships the the Sith before Darth Bane, before the Rule of Two. Fuck yeah. Really cool. Rejecting Bane's Rule of Two. Oh, hey, look, there it is. The The believers seek to expand their numbers to eventually challenge the Jedi directly and usher in a new age for the Sith. All believers can be recognized by a distinctive tattoo, a shape that resembles the spire of the Sith fortress on Almas with a broken lightsaber at its base. You can look up this tattoo, too. It's on Wikipedia, if I'm not mistaken. Heck yeah. Originally a dead-end rumor to the Jedi during the Clone Wars, Jedi stationed in the Clarin system slowly began turning to the dark side and joining the believers. They successfully eradicate the Karite race with an artificial virus. This just came out of nowhere in their stormlight. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they committed biogenocide. And I'm like, okay. Hey, it's a Sith, baby. Yeah, I, I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't understand what that had to do with their end goal, but they, they did it. Their plan was foiled and they returned underground. The believers then return again a little bit later with a very powerful Sith artifact known as the Dark Staff. These guys should have come back in... All right, let's put the let's put our go ahead <laughs> our anti sequel hat back on. Oh boy, these guys should have come back for the sequel trilogy. They literally like are the idea that they had in the sequel trilogy, but better. 
like just a little more fleshed out, a little more believable. No, no pun intended. Um, like, cause there's nowhere in the, you know, the Clone War era or the rise of the dark times where these guys get like snuffed out at all. No. So very easily. Yeah. Can, uh, and, and they spend their whole time building power, vying to challenge the Jedi. They're kind of, they're doing Palpatine's thing, but like in, in their own way. And that's why I like about it. And they're just so cool. They're, they're great. Cause they're a great, just classic, like black robe, occult. Of course. Enemy. Yeah. No, that's you can why throw I like them, them. anywhere no, in the galaxy. They're it makes literally, sense. yeah, they're D and D cultists. And yes. that's why I like them. Cause they're so flexible. You can put them anywhere. I borrowed them for my campaign to have them worship my big bad, just to make him seem like a bigger deal and just give him a little more, you know, staying power. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, oh God, I love the believers. So, so cool that, but yeah, the, their whole thing, if you haven't noticed yet, listener, the theme is they keep coming back with a crazy new plan to, to fuck shit up. <laughs> and so they're, they're the perfect, perfect campaign enemy. Like just, you can even keep bringing them back in the same adventure. It'd be funny at that point. I think they're in Donna defiance too. Cause some of the stat blocks for them on the week are listed as Donna defiance stat blocks. And I haven't played enough Donna defiance to know, but they might be in a Donna defiance. They got some talents that the, none of their talents have many prereqs. In fact, I don't think any of their talents have any prerequisites. So that, that makes sense if they're in the Dawn of Defiance though, because they're going to be like what level CL one to eight ish. Yeah. I, I don't think there's, I think the highest level believers like a CL three or six or something. Yeah, there you in that go. Neighborhood, but yeah. Uh, believer intuition. This is my favorite from their tree. I think as a reaction, when an opponent successfully attacks you, make you use the force check and compare the result to your opponent's attack roll. Think like block or deflect. If the check equals or exceeds the result of the attack roll, you can add your charisma modifier to your reflex defense. So here's your wizard caster, right? High charisma for those slam and force rolls. That's Say, pretty cool. If a plus three can get you out of being hit, which, hey, that's a lot of the time that it can. Easy way out right here. And it, uh, it only costs you a reaction. High impact. This is another fun one. It's thematically similar to the, the intuition talent. Uh, as a swift action, make a DC 15, use the force check. If your check succeeds, double your strength bonus to the next melee damage roll you make before the end of your turn. That's cool. I yes. like how they, they buff themselves with the force. That's why I like. Yeah, they, they, they it's these little ability score based buffs. It's a really cool theme. And again, these are all you can get these level one if you really wanted to. And then Sith Reverence. This one's just I like the flavor for this one. You gain a plus one morale bonus on your attack rolls while you are within 20 squares and in line of sight of an ally with a dark side score equal to or greater than your own. That's that's so good. Yeah, this is yeah. great for mooks. Easy. Yes. Excellent mook talent. In fact, the mooks, the believer mooks I threw at you all had this because it's just cool. Yeah, really, really nice. That's rad. Even our last and certainly not least, maybe least in terms of. In-game content. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's like, so this is the Sable Dawn from Scum and Villainy. They're, they're the Point Nadir-based uh, Force Tradition. And it's calling them a Force Tradition is a little bit of a stretch. But I wanted to talk about them because uh, I love Point Nadir. That's that's really the only reason they're, they're here. But yeah, Sam's right. They don't have a Force Talent tree. But they do have a lot of stat blocks and like quite a bit more lore than the rest of them. Probably because Point Nadir is just so ridiculously fleshed out and you could run a whole campaign or two in there and still not run out of stuff to show your players. For those not familiar with Point Nadir. Yes. Point Nadir is a setting, just a, a full on setting with accompanying like missions and adventures. I'm pretty sure published in the scum and villainy book. It is a asteroid colony in secret. 
uh, a a kind of anything. So cool. So cool. A shadow port that moves through the cosmos. It's rad. Yes. Think Nar Shaddaa, but hidden on an asteroid as it just lists through the galaxy completely under, well, tolerated by galactic governments and unknown to, to most others. Really, really cool. Kind of anything goes crime zone with a sophisticated economy and a culture and traditions of its own. Very, very rich, rich lore. Super nice. I loved it so much when I came across it. I had to like partially derail my Starfighter Squadron campaign <laughs> just because I wanted to visit it. Uh, normally, I was just going to shovel them off on Narshada to spend their well-earned hazard pay. But I was like, you know, that's like the fourth time I've done that as a game master. Is there <laughs> anything else I can do? Cracked open Scum and Villainy and it said, put, put its hands on my shoulders and said, stop sending them to Narshada. Send them to Point Nadir. I'd love to see the the, the three the trifold brochure. <laughs> so, tired of plain old Narshida? Send them to Point Nadir. That's Come really on down. Funny. I'd love to put that up in Gimp or something. That'd be so fun. <laughs> Patron bonus. Hey, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. <laughs> the Point Nadir brochure. Oh, that's not a bad one, actually. I could. I'd love to mock up some That'd like be cool. Because I have something else going on that that would tie in well with that. But yeah, the um doing like. Tourism materials for various Swissy locations. That, yeah, that not, would be cool. not super prominent Star Wars locations. That would be great for the system. Yeah. Very cool. That, that's something that can go on the Patreon. The, the whole thing's about inspiration, Stephen. Definitely. The whole point of the show. Well, anyway, Sable Dawn. Sam, do you know what the word Sable means? Uh, seemingly able. Close. It's a, it's like the color brown. It's a, it's a light brown. <laughs> that's not close. <laughs> not at all. That's not close I at lied all. to you. It's for funnies. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Just a little trick. Keep you on your toes. So wait. There's also small mammals. Uh, like a, They're like ferrets known as sables. Brown Don. Brown Don. <laughs> I have one of those every morning. <laughs> I knew you were going to make a poop joke. I just knew it. I knew after I told you it was another word for a, a shade of brown, you'd make a poop joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. It's fine. it's fine. I think it has like an archaic meaning as well that means like, um, like, uh, kind of like soft-spoken quiet i, I think oh that, that makes a lot more yeah. sense than let me brown. check that <laughs> yeah so in like middle and old english it, it meant black but now it means brown uh it was also a synonym for morning garments way back in the day like archaic english like you can't say that now but yeah so like morning with a u yeah morning okay. yeah yeah morning as in like you know morning someone's death not, <laughs> oh it's like morning dawn oh, that, that's <laughs> still another interesting wordplay there too yeah. so yeah there's there's lots of meaning tied up in there it's it's kind of cool i like it Enough of the teasing. Let's get into it. I want to know. Tell me more. So the mystery and, and double meaning of this name definitely, definitely it reflects the theme of this group. This is the smallest yet perhaps most dangerous of Point Nadir's criminal groups. Though the Sable Dawn supports few. I'm reading from the book now. Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Though the Sable Dawn supports fewer than 100 members, they maintain a toehold. I thought the word toehold was hilarious. <laughs> Not a, quite a foothold. Not quite a foothold. <laughs> just a toehold. It's like that. Is that was there like a SpongeBob episode where he presses the gas pedal with <laughs> yeah, just the one toe? Exactly what toe. I imagined. <laughs> the Sable Dawn supports fewer than 100 members, and they maintain a toehold in Point Nadir's bureaucracy through secrecy. Of their membership, only a small number are known to the public at large. The rest are shadowy agents posing as typical citizens, holding down regular jobs on any number of planets throughout the mid-rim and outer rim. So, small, blinking, you'll miss it. Important thing to note, they are based on Point Nadir, totally their home turf, but they operate all throughout the galaxy. So, you have all the reasons to throw these guys in when you want to. Most Sable Dawn members are unaware of another secret of the Sable Dawn. Secrets within secrets. 
quote Dune, observe the plans within plans. <laughs> Concealed in the organization's core is a small group of force adepts, each a born killer. Their philosophy is independent of the other force traditions throughout the galaxy, focusing on the acquisition of temporal wealth and power. Kind of just sounds like the Sith, though, but that is fine. There's no religious connotations yeah. to their, their power gathering, I guess. The Sable Dawn's force adepts see one another as accomplices rather than enemies. And through, though divisions occasionally arise between them, they rarely lead to direct violence. Sable Dawn's a small, secretive, and highly influential organization in underworld politics who add force users to their core ranks by courting and manipulation. The Sable Dawn often operates through shell companies and other sorts of deceptions, and many unwitting employees are offered formal invitations after several jobs well done. Jobs being murder, usually. <laughs> just, just so I'm clear. <laughs> Given that the Sable Dawn sells murder at reasonable prices, the syndicate has no compunctions, I liked that word from the book, about neutralizing its own enemies for free. All that to say... If you're a force user player, you might see yourself approached with kind of the honey to to join their ranks or at least do a couple favors. But if you cross them, you could expect vinegar coming your way in no short order. Yeah, hopefully not one after another. That would suck. That would suck. Uh, I like these guys because they're like a crime Illuminati. Um, It's good. It's good. If you don't want... Pirates are too flashy. You know? (laughs) I, I do like the idea of a big intrigue like... How deep does this go? Uh, the 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 arms salesman that we killed has a tattoo and he's a, a member of something called the Sable Dawn. We don't know. And then all of a sudden, a, a force wielding killer is on the on the hunt for us, and he's not a bounty hunter or anything. It's just yeah. it's great. It's just his job. Like that's his nine yeah. to five is to be a crazy force assassin and kill you. But kill afterwards, your he makes podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> That's his hobby. His true passion is podcasting. Well, no one has a higher propensity for antisocial behavior than podcasters, let me tell you. No one has the desire and drive to kill using magical powers. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I like the Sable Dawn. This, uh, a group like this really activates my imagination just because you can put, really put your players in a position of not knowing who they could trust. Like the Sable Dawn is so secretive. They don't even know each other that well. It's so cool. I love it. It's awesome. You can have a player who doesn't know they're a member of the Sable Dawn. Ooh. The, the, the NPC who seemingly has information about their missing family has been giving them small jobs to help them get by and survive. And they think they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart. But in reality, it's the Sable Dawn sinking their, Ooh, forwarding their, their agenda into it. Yeah. Without you even knowing. I like that, especially since we, we can go over this in a different episode, but how I, I, I did some fuckery with player backstories. I, I retroactively I would love to do another episode on player backstory and how yes. you as a GM can help uh, cultivating good player backstory. I yes. feel like is a, is a good topic we could cover maybe Absolutely. next week. Absolutely. Definitely. Especially after our last ZD session, it oh, yeah. is, uh, oh, is yeah. worth going over. Um, keep so an eye out for that. You keep an eye out for that. Stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. They don't have a dial. Is anyone listening on a device with a dial on it? <laughs> Half of you listen on your phones. I imagine of those phones, guys, it's actually car guys. Yeah. Any, well, cars have dials. Cars have dials, not dials that can change your, well, eh, no, that counts. Okay. All right. You, anyway, Sable Dawn, as I said, disappointingly, but understandably does not have a forced tradition, uh, talent tree. Oh, it kind of makes sense. Cause they don't have any internal force education of their own. They find ready to go force users and kind of court them in. But yeah, you were saying, but Steven don't see that 
as a setback. No, if anything. See that as an opportunity. Definitely. That means anyone can be Sable Dawn, no matter their background or their skills or anything. I think that adds to it. Absolutely. When you said like, oh, they don't have a forced talent tree. I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucks. But at the same time, like I, I flipped it. I fl- You flipped it. <laughs> and then you freaked it. I flipped it. Then I freaked it. They Anyone. Anyone. Any talent can be a Sable Dawn. It's true. It's true. And from the archetypes we see, like there's a few Sable Dawn stat blocks. They have like a assassin, lieutenant. And there's even like a named NPC, the leader of of the, the uh, I almost said Crimson Dawn, but the, it's <laughs> Sable Dawn. What's Crimson Dawn? Is that that's a different? The, that's Malls. Group? That's Malls <laughs> crime group. That's right. Wow. A lot of Dawns. Do you think Crimson Dawn? No force tradition there, right? Maul's not letting no, no. I don't think that. No, that that's just, he just literally bought all the criminals <laughs> and then and then like you know. God, Maul's so cool. He's so cool. <laughs> please, oh Sam Whitwer, please text me back. <laughs> <laughs> please, but yeah. Uh, based on the archetypes we've seen, assassin, uh, the Jedi shadow talent tree is probably a great fit for that if you're if you're going that way. Um, I selected a few basic talents uh, that I think like would be a good fit for a Sable Dawn character. Like Sam said, though, clearly anyone could be a member of the Sable Dawn. I could be a member of the Sable Dawn and you wouldn't even know it. Oh, man. I knew this podcast was all a ploy to induct more force sensitive killers into your (laughs) ranks. I always knew it. But yeah, you guys could probably predict these before I even read them. But here they are. Dastardly Strike. I almost put sneak attack on here until I realized that Dastardly Strike is way better than sneak attack. (laughs) Like so much better. Obviously, everyone knows this talent. Practically every other build that's sent in has it. Whenever you make a successful attack against an opponent that is denied its dex bonus to reflex defense, sometimes also known as flat-footed, the target moves down one step along the condition track. This talent can be used only against characters, not objects or vehicles. Dastardly strikes from the misfortune talent tree, of course, for all you scoundrels out there. Force power adept from the force adept talent tree. This is a prestige class talent tree, but uh, it's here anyway. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> Your non-heroic Sable Dawn oh. members could use this. That was a much higher pitch than I thought I could go. <laughs> you are skilled at using a particular force power. Select one force power you know. When using that force power, you have the option of spending a force point to make two use the force checks, keeping the better result. Some normies refer to this as advantage. <laughs> But that's a 5e term. Yeah, we don't talk about we don't We don't talk like that here. (laughs) This talent may be selected multiple times. Its effects do not stack. Each time you select the talent, you must choose a different force power. Uh, I think like mind trick would be good here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just object. Yeah. Move objects. Anything you use all the time. (laughs) Yes. Anything you really want to use is a great, great fit here. The leader of the Sable Dawn, he has it for mind trick because he's more of a manipulator back scenes kind of guy. Um Whatever you wanted, though, anything that you sabled your Don best with is fair game. I'd like to rescind my move object suggestion oh, yeah. because yeah. can't you spend a force point on move object just to raise the yeah. DC anyway or yes. to raise to the next highest tier? Yes, you there's can. no point in spending a force point for a reroll. No, there's not. Good point. Force stealth. Probably good here. Force sneak, whatever, yeah. whatever it's called. I think as it long as it's a stealth. force power that doesn't require you to spend a force point because yep. you wouldn't be able to use two force points in a round anyway. Sure wouldn't. Cloak. It's called cloak. Of course. Cloak Cloak and like slow would be good here. Oh, slow would be really cool. Sneaking around. Phase is fun too. Yeah. And foresight from the sense talent tree. Prerequisite force perception. Only talent on here I listed that that has a prereq. 
You may spend a force point to re-roll an initiative check, keeping the better of the two rolls. Additionally, if you roll a natural 20 on the initiative check roll, you immediately regain the force point spent to activate this talent. That's cool. Foresight's cool. I always forget about it, but it's there. That's a core rulebook talent. It's a it's a really neat one. I figured it was good for an assassin. This is good for that's also good for any of you Jedi out there who use Dex as a dump stat. First of all, don't. Second of all, we know you're out there. We we know where you are. We've seen them in action. We have. We have the 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 party Jedi in our in our big last long form campaign could not roll initiative for shit because because she dumped Dex. Oh man. Later would have gone to regret it to this day. She'll see if you bring it up. It's so funny. <laughs> it is really funny. And you know, just to reiterate, Stephen, these are not. You and I are not the end all be all when it comes oh. to anything we say on this show. No, no. I sat down for five minutes and cherry picked talents. I thought might be a good pick for a Sable Dawn character. I by no means are these, these Sable Dawn talents. You should even let us know if you had a better idea for the Sable Dawn. Cause God, I would love to hear more about the Sable Dawn. Yeah. When's, when's the Sable Dawn build? Bounty? <laughs> it's just any, they're a valid choice for, for our current bounty. You that could is. make a Sable Dawn guy. That is a good point. Yes. Uh, a few of you guys reached out about clarifications for the build contest. The conditions we set out aren't changing, but they also, uh, people wanted to know, make sure we were totally for sure. He's on that Imperial Knight and the Inquisitorious both do technically count. They, they are force traditions that are not Jedi or Sith as recognized by the system. Inquisitorious definitely debatable there, but well, they're not Sith. They're not Sith. They're strictly not Sith. They, they strictly worship Vader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not Sith. But yeah, so yes, Imperial Knights are on the table. For those of you who asked, Inquisitorious are on the table. The conditions of the showcase that we laid out do exclude the Jedi Knight, Jedi Master, Sith Apprentice, and Sith Lord prestige classes because being a member of those respective organizations is a requirement for those classes. So yes, you your your submission should not include those. And if it does, then there better be a pretty damn good explanation for why they aren't actually Jedi or Sith. Remember, your builds are due to our email. That's darktimeswissy at gmail.com. No later than 11.59 p.m. Pacific time, January 22nd. That's Sunday night, January 22nd at darktimeswissy at gmail.com. Please. They must be level 12 and they may not be a Jedi or Sith. They cannot be a member of either of those organizations, but they must be a member of a force tradition. What did you say? You had something you want to. Mention? Yeah. You know, what really touched me, Sam, was um, we got a lot more pictures in uh, of people wearing their dark time shirts. And it's first of all, I think it's really funny that for a long time we had no pictures of just pictures of shirts on laid out on a bed. On beds. We had like five <laughs> pictures of shirts just laid out on a bed. Really cool. Um, super grateful. Thank you. Kool-Aid man. Also known as Juan uh, sent us a, a pic of him sporting it in his it would appear to be his place of work. Uh, which so surreal, right? <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Imagine going in for like a, a nice drink and, and you see the guy behind the counter is wearing a dark times podcast shirt. <laughs> I had a fr- I saw some friends over new year's. One of them surprised me by wearing their dark times shirt to our new year's party. And it was, Heck yeah. sur- it was weird. It was surreal, <laughs> but very, very cool. I love wearing mine to work. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Does anyone ever ask you about it at work? No. Well, that, that figures, <laughs> but if you saw someone with a podcast t-shirt, would you want to ask him? You know about what? It? That's a good point. I would not ask about any podcast t-shirt I saw in the wild. Even if it looks cool. <laughs> and it does look pretty cool. It does look pretty. It's a cool shirt. 
We're fine, by the way. You guys probably see some scary headlines. If some of you have done enough digging or are familiar enough with us to know where we live, and if you pay attention to the national headlines, even the, the president declared it a, a disaster or whatever, which means that sweet, sweet FEMA money is going to start coming our way yet again. Not our way specifically. Not our way, but like our community's way. way. Yeah, which like is good because that. that's what people need. People's homes are being washed away in the, in the rain. Um, we're fine. Though Sam and I are like in the epicenter of destruction, <laughs> but we both live in, in areas that are mildly outside uh, of, evacuation zones. Yes, to say the yes. least. I was under a evacuation warning for about a week there, um, but I did not have to evacuate. We're all good. It's just because I live near a creek is all. Yeah. And, and it was fine. But uh, yeah, we're all good here. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> that good. No, uh, Way to go. Several of you have reached out with concerns. We're fine. Sam and I are perfectly fine. I live on a hill. Um, Sam lives next to a storm drain, so <laughs> I live in a storm drain. Yeah, actually. Sam lives in a storm drain. My roommate so, yeah. Pennywise, he just won't get, <laughs> he doesn't get enough of that storm drain. <laughs> yeah, but we're chilling. We're all good here. Um, I keep doing it. I keep <laughs> I keep just going back to that scene. That's okay. I love that scene. It's so good. Oh my god, comedy gold. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all we're fine. It's almost over anyway. I I think we probably I have here Wednesday. It's supposed to by the yeah. time the episode goes up, it should be clearing up. Great. It was pretty sunny today too, even if you know, but yeah. So if you see footage of, you know, swelling riverbeds and logs rolling downhill and mudslides, that, that's happening, but you know, just not to us specifically. We're, we're all good here. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, as always, we, we love to thank you guys for your support. How, how can they support us, Sam? Well, they can support us by reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'd love to see those reviews come in because they're they're so sweet and kind when they, they really do. are. And I'd love to see more of them. I, I can't see the numbers on Spotify when we get reviewed, but I do see that it's five stars, which is rad. Much appreciated. And if you guys let us know via email, darktimesswse at gmail.com, that you told a friend about the show or that you told your table about the show, Go ahead and send us, you know, we'll shout out your whole table uh, uh, on the show Yeah, for listening. If you guys listen together, if you listen separately, that's fine, too. Steven, uh, another way they can support us and get it in that sweet, sweet T-shirt swag is by joining the Dark Times Patreon. It's true. There's five and ten dollar tiers, depending on which tier you join. After three months of patronage, you either get a sticker or a shirt and sticker. And all tiers get access to votes. They get their own vote individually. It's for true. our Dark Times bounties showcases. Yes. Including this current bounty, which is the Force Tradition bounty. Yeah, so if you're thinking about it, maybe you really wanted to vote in this next bounty, tip it over the edge. Well, hey, even if you join the Patreon while voting's underway, you can still throw your vote in there. There's a few extra goodies on there, too. Uh, player aids, some really cool introductory like cheat sheets that we've made, as well as some cool maps. Um, there's probably some more stuff coming that way real soon. Yeah, maybe some, maybe a, the point in the deer brochure. <laughs> We're going to reach out to Patreon once more in regards to the $10 tiers about getting those stickers. Yes. For those and of you who've been following us have known that Patreon has fought us every step of the way to add stickers and shirts to that $10 tier, citing some unknowable web backend problem. I'm t- I hate waiting on others to fix shit for me, so... I start a new job tomorrow, actually. Woo! Uh, congrats on the job. Congrats on much. employment, Steven. I yes. know it's been hard for you it's, to sit around and do nothing all day. It's been a lovely three and a half months <laughs> of collecting unemployment checks, uh, but all good things come to a close. God, my tax dollars go to your ass. <laughs> 
so that's funny. Staying in. It is. It is staying in. Oh man. Um, yeah. Yeah. They do. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So my life is a little bit of a whirlwind right now. I've uh, a lot of new things coming at me faster than I can keep track. But once things settle down, you bet your ass I'm going to get over to Redbubble or some shit and sort this out for ourselves. We'll find a good sticker distributor. And- yeah. Uh, I want some just to slap around the entire county here. <laughs> you know, I could, yeah, it'd be good to have a good bundle for ourselves too. Yeah. Just yeah. Hand some out. Yeah. Yeah. If you know anyone who got into the system because of the dark times podcast, I'd love to hear. Oh, yeah, about I want to hear about that. that Send us an cool. email or, you know, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, that's enough meandering in the break space, Steven. Let's, let's send us back out to the, the actual show. Yes. I'm proud once again to feature a fan recorded segment from another veritable pillar of the community. A true old head and a very well-educated individual at Swissy and its history. Uh, here's a fan segment from Suyoshi Kensu. Take it away! Hello, everyone. Suyoshi Kensu here, also known as Sue. Sam and Stephen have once again very kindly granted me some time on their program to discuss two little-known rules references that I hope a lot of people will find very useful. As such, I'd like to introduce you to Saga's two most useful tables you've never heard of. A frequent source of frustration for new GMs in Saga Edition is figuring out how to set DCs. Unlike many, if not most, other D20 games, the core rulebook doesn't have a table relating DCs to difficulty. This was partially addressed by Scum and Villainy's Difficulty Classes for Adventures by CL table, which provided some amount of guidance for this question. This table was also included in Galaxy of Intrigue and Unknown Regions under different names. There are, however, two obstacles to using said table. First, the DCs listed on the table are not scaled in the same manner as the game's fixed DCs. For example, the DCs listed in the core rulebook's skill descriptions. The Scum and Villainy table scales DCs to CL, where most of the DCs elsewhere in the game are fixed and do not scale at all. The second obstacle is that many GMs specifically do not want DCs to scale. They prefer challenges in the game's world remain consistent between adventures rather than scaling to each one's CL. This is compounded by another missing piece from the core rulebook. No guidance is given there, or for that matter, in almost any book, regarding how rare a particular character's skill modifier is. Say a character has a skill modifier of plus 11. Is that good? Is that bad? Should most NPCs be at this skill level? Below it? Above it? Beyond providing NPC stat blocks, none of the game books really say. Again, Scum and Villainy provides the Allies and Contacts table, but that table also scales to heroic level. It therefore suffers from the same challenges as the DCs for Adventures by CL table. Given this, we can see that the information about how hard certain skill checks are meant to be is simply missing. We don't know how difficult a static DC of 20 is intended to be, And we don't know how likely it is that a random NPC will be able to achieve that DC. The two tables that could tell us the most about the context of skills in the Saga Edition galaxy, sample static skill DCs and sample NPC skill modifiers, simply do not exist. But what if I told you that they did? The obvious next question is, where? 
They're not in the books. They're not in the errata, the web enhancements, the FAQ, the web articles, or even Jedi counseling. Where else could those tables possibly be? They are from the absolute last place anyone would look for a unique rules resource. The officially released Saga Edition GM screen. There, on the third panel from the left on the GM side, we find these two tables, sample skill DCs and average skill bonuses. Both are extremely revelatory when it comes to static DCs used in the Saga Edition system. On the one hand, sample skill DCs tells us everything we ever wanted to know about how hard a fixed DC skill check is supposed to be. To pull a few examples, a DC 5 check is easy, a DC 15 check is tough, a DC 20 check is challenging, a DC 40 check is nearly impossible. This lines up well with the example skill DCs we can find in the core rulebook. For example, installing a droid accessory is tough, but installing a processor is challenging and installing a locomotion system is formidable. This table has obvious uses on its own in setting DCs for activities that don't vary in difficulty between adventures. There's another use for this table, however, serving as a conversion guide between static DCs and scaling DCs. With this table, any fixed DC skill check in the game, such as a DC 20 repair check, can be assigned a difficulty. That difficulty can then be used with scum and villainy table to determine a scaling DC for the same activity. This allows GMs that are a fan of scaling DCs to turn any static check they like into a scaling one. The second table, Average Skill Bonuses, lets us know exactly how likely it is that a given NPC will be able to make these checks, say by taking 10. The table is laid out such that it compares skill modifiers to frequency in a given area. For example, someone with a skill modifier of plus 6 to plus 10 is among the best in the city or the continent. Someone with a skill modifier of 16 to plus 20 is among the best in the sector. And if you have a skill modifier of plus 26 or higher, you're among the best in the galaxy. This table is incredibly useful for improvisational GMing. If the characters need to see a skill specialist, maybe a doctor or a mechanic after a bad firefight, or a knowledge broker with key details about their current pursuit, these characters no longer need to be laboriously created mechanically for their stats to be derived. Instead, simply ask, are they the best in the city? the best on the planet, the best in the sector. Once you know that, pick a modifier within the given range and you're good to go. This table also provides inspiration for future adventures as well. If the heroes really need someone to make that DC 36 knowledge history check for them, then they're on the search for the best historians in the galaxy. I hope that you or someone you know will find these tables useful in your games. If you have any questions or comments, you're more than welcome to contact me on the Discord server SWSC Galactic Saga. Once again, Sam and Stephen, thank you very much for your kindness and your generosity. To everyone else listening, take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll see you around the galaxy. Well, that was pretty fucking sick. <laughs> I, I was skeptical that I would not have considered whatever tables he was about to mention, but but then. It, it hit me when he mentioned the GM screen. Now you own the GM. Screen. I own the GM screen. And, and I, I just pulled it up right here. I was like, Oh my God, that's right. How many times I've needed these 
and didn't have my GM screen because we were on roll 20. Yeah. Just amazing. And this is the exact kind of improvisational shit that I love. Oh, yeah. Like, th- this shit is um, just just the best. I mean, I, especially when he had that line about when he had that line about telling your players about who what exact sort of expert they need to find to learn something or to make a check for him. Yeah. Mwah. Chef's kiss. This will really tie into our gather information uh, discussion oh, next week. You're probably. right. You're right. Steven, is this is this uh, is there like a scan of this table available on the wiki anywhere? Or? Well, I wouldn't know anything about uh, illicitly sourced PDFs that you could find either by Googling or at Sticky. I hear there's some illicit subreddits out there that sticky certain resources <laughs> to the, the top of the subreddit. But again, I, just rumors. I haven't really heard. But yeah, certain, certain, certainly. I mean, it could be out there. <laughs> It's it's amazing. The, the the GM screen for Saga Edition is really is a must have just for the quick reference. I mean, there's so much information in Saga Edition that you have to pull up at a moment's notice. And it really does have all the shit you need, including remember when I was really sure at exactly what a six square cone meant, but I couldn't find a source for the image that I used as a oh, reference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's on the it's fucking, on the <laughs> fucking GM screen, but not in the core rule book, but not in the core rule book. <laughs> this uh, thing has. I mean, Sue already said it like this thing has shit that you need that you don't even know you need. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty sure, though, I'm not certain the information was also cloned over to that fan GM screen that gets circulated. I to hope the, so. The I'd Jedi, so. please one. <laughs> yeah. The line that the about surviving, the magma? surviving magma. Yeah. Jedi, yeah, yeah. Please. Yeah. Classic. But yeah. It's got all the stuff for like modifying climb DCs persuasion dcs perception dcs it has the experience points rewards chart oh that's I, always nice to have i on can hand. never find that one mr milestone uh levels over here yeah i don't <laughs> fucking come on i thought about doing xp with zero distance that would have been cool yeah it just seems like a lot more extra work it's a lot more extra work it's, it's <laughs> a lot of extra like pre-prep work to make sure you have enough encounters with enough xp to make sure they level up when you want them to but then I, I run tables a little more flexible than than that. It, it made sense in a time when we all got on the table to like crack open a dungeon and there was fixed yeah. rooms with fixed amounts of enemies. But not for the collaborative storytelling phenomena we now know as Saga Edition. Exactly. And, you know, it's also the sort of thing where like I could do XP if I just wrote down every threat you guys defeated and overcame. But that's also extra busy work for really no reason other than just, I, I kind of know the vibe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know the vibe, the level vibe. Like I trust myself. Yeah, this is kind of a CL8 vibe for this club. I don't know if you guys are cool enough to get in. That's what CL stands for. Cool. <laughs> in my first campaign, I was doing milestone leveling and I was, you know, kind of flying by the seat of my pants because I'd never ran a campaign before. But I'd always planned to level up. I always hear from, from our friend, like, it's been a while since we leveled up. And like, <laughs> that would be the session that I was going to tell you guys you leveled up. Yeah. So I was like, I'm perfect. It was at this. appropriately. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm the best at this actually. <laughs> like the moment a player like gets the balls to be like, can we have a level please? Where are we going to level? Where are we yeah. going to level? <laughs> every time, every time. Well, again, thank you so much, Sue, for the segment. Sue, seriously. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope we see a lot more from you soon. I know you're probably cooking up something crazy for the, the build showcase right about now. So <laughs> Looking forward to that. And I hope hearing that has inspired anyone else who's interested to send in their own fan submission content. Please. We have some more stat blocks in the in the chamber. I yep. guess is the proper word. <laughs> we we want to be a community platform and you guys have have done a great job by sending shit our way. You can record a segment for us with your phone. 
and you can send us that wave file and we can take care of the rest. Please, if you have anything to say, anything to share, stories, little lectures, Little Literalist did a whole segment on fire that I still it was so love. Good. It was so it cool. Was so good. It was great. Please, anything. Uh, we would love to have you. Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? Yeah, I got a nice little short and sweet one. Um, the growls and the sounds of the rancor in Jabba's palace were made by what animal, Sam? Cat. Dachshund. Dachshund? Yeah. <laughs> Close. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, or is it Dachshund? Yeah. Dash, Dachshund? <laughs> You want me to like throw a little German on Dachshund? it? Dachshund? It's Dachshund. Dachshund? Bond? Dachshund? James Bond. The Dark Times is produced by me, Sam. Steven's my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Don't forget our Force Tradition themed bounty build showcase must be level 12 and a Force user, but not a member of the Jedi or Sith Force Traditions due at 11.59 p.m. Pacific on Sunday, January 22nd to our email, darktimesswse at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows. Stephen, do you have a quote for us this week? I'm rather embarrassed, General Solo, but it appears that you are to be the main course at a banquet in my honor. <laughs> C-3PO, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Good night, everybody! Good night. Dog, this and this and that.